How many of us in here have ever stood before a council and you had to explain yourself? <laughs> Most of us hadn't had to do that. Um, sometimes, you know, business meetings feel this way. But what we know without a shadow of a doubt is this guy, he never holds back. And the way that Stephen lives his life is beautiful because he lives by the work of the Holy Spirit within him. We've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit lately, have we not? There's a point in that. There's a reason to that. Because without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can't do anything. Without the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives, we can do nothing. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be that helper because we needed help. And what we see about Stephen is he doesn't hold back, right? Here he is before a council that could kill him. Actually, we know what's about to happen, right? This council could kill him. He's before them, and he just doesn't hold back the truth at all. Stephen handled his obstacle like his Savior. Why don't you think about that for a moment? How did Jesus handle the councils? How did Jesus handle the people that were coming against him? Stephen just imitated his Savior here. When, when we think about what he did, Stephen taught the Old Testament like his Savior. Here in just a moment, you'll see in, in chapter 7, and we're just going to kind of go through there. Um, I know we, we're kind of limited on time. In and, and chapter 7, I could, I could spend about three weeks on, right? Four weeks. But Stephen goes into a deep, deep teaching of the Old Testament. And he teaches the Old Testament just like his Savior did as a reference point to, to who our God is. And one thing we cannot overlook in this account and what we're about to read, I know we're not there yet, but, but hang tight. One thing we cannot overlook is that Stephen died like his Savior. Most of us here, we know the story of Stephen. If you don't, man, I just spoiled the story for you. Spoiler alert, <laughs> right? But, but here we know that, that Jesus, Jesus worked in this, in this way, that people like Stephen could stand and live and die like him. There may very well come a time in your life that you may have to die for Christ. Do you ever thought about that? I know we, we live, in the, live in the good old U.S. of A, right? And, and we don't have a lot of these, these things coming against us. No doubt you guys didn't have to, to fight the government to come to church today. I know people gripe about our government, but at least we're not there yet, right? We may be heading that way. But in the meantime, we have this ability to, to live in freedom. But church, understand, Stephen, he lived, he taught, and he died just like his Savior. And if you want to know how to live your life, don't base it on Brother Daniel or don't base it on anyone else in this world. Who you need to base it upon is Jesus. And you base it upon Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. How good is our God that he gives us ability to live for him. We don't have to do it by our own power. He gives us that, that ability to, to bring him glory, right? The sermon that, if you go to chapter 7, we see here it's the longest recorded sermon in Acts, right? He preaches and, and it's the longest recorded one. There's, there's, there's so much given here. Stephen goes back in time and he, and he talks about the, the, the very fact that, you know, you guys come here, but you don't even get it. You don't even get it. You don't understand the God of 
of Moses. You don't understand the God of the patriarchs. You don't understand the God of of the great King David, the great King Solomon. You don't understand this God at all. Can you imagine coming before a group of religious people and saying, you got it wrong. You're missing the points. Can you imagine being that guy? But that was our Stephen. Our man Stephen got up and he said, you know what? You're missing the points. He spoke the truth. And I love it. Look at verse verse 51 in chapter 7. After he gives this big, big sermon about how they missed everything. Look at verse 51. I don't know if he's talking to Baptists here or what, but listen, look at here, look at here. You stiff-necked people. (laughs) Uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Man, mark that in your mind, okay? Mark that in your word. Mark that in your notes. He gives all this truth, but then Stephen comes across and he says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Always. Throughout this book, we're seeing that the Holy Spirit is that key point to who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. We can do nothing apart from the work of the Holy Spirit through us. That what your pastor's doing right now, it's not my work, okay? Yeah, I love it when people say, man, that was a good sermon today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate those good words. But really, it's the Holy Spirit that works through me, right? It's not my words. It's his word. It's it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to your heart. What I love is I can preach a sermon on this, and God speaks to you on something else. (laughs) God sets you straight on something else. Here's Stephen, he says, you stiff-necked people. Why do you always resist the Holy Spirit? As your fathers did, so do you. I can't imagine coming up and saying, you know what? You're terrible, but not only are you terrible, but your mama is too. (laughs) Your grandma, she was a terrible person. Your your grandpa, terrible person. In a lot of cultures, you know, it's it's like, um, it's it's not good to talk about the dead, right? Stephen don't care. They missed it. You missed it. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Why do you do that? Look at verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Anybody know a prophet in the scriptures that was not persecuted at some point? I don't know one. I kind of went back and looked at it. Every every prophet was persecuted at some point by the people that were supposed to be listening, right? Right? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. Who's he talking about? You know, John the Baptist, right? I'm sure there were others. The stoning, uh, I'm sorry. So they did all this, right? And this stoning's about to happen, not because, you know, he broke some some law, like he killed someone or something, but they're going to stone him because he's living by the Holy Spirit. I want you to, just before we get into it, I want you to think about that for a moment. This man who had broke no laws is about to be stoned because he's living by the Spirit of God. The, the, the story of David is beautiful. But, but I think about the story of Stephen. You have a guy that didn't do anything wrong. And he says, yes, Lord, it's well in my soul. I'm going to live for you, Holy Spirit. Would you work through me? And it it ended, it ended in a not-so-good way by our standards, right? 
He, he gets right with the Lord. He, he follows the Lord. You know, in that, in that first passage, it said that his, his face was like an angel, right? Why? Why was, his, why was his face like an angel? I think his face was like an angel because that's how close he was walking with God. He was a messenger of God. I really think maybe that's the point they missed because a messenger, an angel is what? A messenger, right? And so you have this actual messenger of God, Stephen, who's there and he knows he's gonna die. He knows that death is upon him. He knows without a doubt that this is what's gonna happen. And yet Stephen just sits there and he's got the face of an angel, right? He's just like, you know what? Bring it on. I want that kind of resolve in my own life. I want that kind of that kind of push where it's like, you know what? Bring it on. And then when given the chance to speak, he didn't try to smooth things over. He didn't try to talk himself out of it. He didn't try to say, you know what? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But he goes right to tell him, you know what? You're wrong. Your ancestors are wrong. You're a bunch of stiff-necked people. Man, those are hard words. Stephen throws that at them, right? He throws that at them. He says, that, that righteous one that they spoke against, he said, who you've now betrayed and murdered, he, he blames the murder of Jesus on who? On them. He says, you received the law as delivered by the angels and you did not keep it. You did not keep it. I, I want us to think for a moment, are we, are we taking time in our life to live for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And do we just get up and just kind of read a passage of Scripture and then we feel good about ourselves? We get up on Sunday mornings and we come to church and we sing and we, we kind of just feel, feel good. You know, we walk out of here, we feel pretty good. Instead of, you know, daily the Holy Spirit is, is prodding you. The Holy Spirit is there wanting to work through you. I love church history and you can get into church history and, you, and one of the things in church history that you, that you see a lot of is this, these things called revivals, right? How many of y'all want revival in America today, right? I'm not talking about, you know, preacher shows up on Thursday night and y'all pray a little bit and then Friday you go knock on doors and then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you got preaching and you might have 20 people sitting in here, right? I'm not talking about revival like that. I'm talking about people who are bound and going to hell being changed, by the work of the Holy Spirit, and we get to be a part of it. You know, those, those, those revivals of old that, that we've heard about. I'm not talking about just an increase in attendance, but I'm talking about people really being changed. It's got to start right here. Our man, Stephen, you know what? It wasn't like he had a whole, whole bunch of people standing around him. If you notice, he's kind of by himself. And he knows he's going to die. And still he has that peace about him that passes all understanding. He was irritating to these guys. These guys probably in their hearts, they went, how does this guy have so much peace here in front of us? And we, we got rocks, you know, behind our hand. How does he have peace? But he does. And he stands up and he tells them, you guys, you're wrong. And you may kill me today, but you need a close walk with Jesus. Look at verse 55. I don't know how many times I can say this in this sermon, but Holy Spirit, right? Verse 55, but he, Stephen, full of what? The Holy Spirit? Not full of, you know, 
being a proud American. He, he wasn't standing there full of being a, a proud, you know, Sooner fan or Cowboys fan, right? This is not, this is not who he is. He says he's full of the Holy Spirit. What does he do? He preaches his sermon. It concluded, and he knows what's coming. But full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What a way to end a sermon. He preaches the good news, right? And then he says, you know what? I see heaven opened up. I see Jesus. I see his glory coming. This is what I see. What was the response? I know we get a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of talk in churches, you know, we need to have, you know, altar calls and all this kind of stuff. As a preacher, I know what it's like. You get, you get down here, I'll probably do it today. I'll give an altar call and nobody shows up, right? Nobody comes. This guy had an altar call and people came. People came. Did they come in the, in the right way? No. <laughs> look, look what it says. At his altar call, he says, hey, Come on, I see the heavens opened up. I see Jesus there at the right hand. In other words, I believe he was saying, you can get right with Jesus today. He's right here. But the response was this. They cried out with a loud voice and they, they stopped, their, stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Stay tuned to that name, right? And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not ouch my head, not ouch my elbow, but Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. I can remember as a kid going to funerals, and that's a weird thing when you're a kid, isn't it? When the first funeral you go to, if you remember the first funeral that you went to, it's strange. But I remember uh, preachers preaching. I remember my dad. I remember uh, Brother Sid Tiffin. I remember Brother Dole. Uh, they'd preach these sermons that were just beautiful. But they, one of the verses or one of the, the things they would often say during the verse or during the sermon would be, beautiful are the feet of those, Right? That's always a good one. But they would also say, beautiful is the death of those. I don't know about beautiful, but I do know this. As terrible as that was, God was still glorified. His very last breath was Jesus. Hey, don't hold this against them. His very last words were, don't hold it against them. If I was to look at the life of Stephen, it's not just that he went before a stoning council and just was stoned to death. It's bigger than that, isn't it? His whole sermon hinged on the words, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And by the power of the Spirit, he stands before them. And the first point I would say is this, look at this, three points. Why don't you guys hang with me? Three points that we can take from this. Believers speak truth. Do you speak truth? 
I'm not talking about, you know, hey, you tell the truth all the time. I'm not talking about you being, you know, good little Johnny or good little. I'm trying to think of someone's name that's not sitting here, right? <laughs> I was going to say good, good little Debbie, but, you know, that's, that, we have Debbies here, and also that makes me hungry, right? Because I love little Debs. It's not what it's about, though, right? It's not about our goodness. It's not about those kinds of things. It's about us speaking truth as in the gospel, right? The gospel. We must be actively involved in proclaiming the truth. And why wouldn't we? Because we're in possession of a good news after all, are we not? We have it like right here. We have the best news that you could give anyone. It's right here, right? Why don't we share it? Why don't we give to someone? So here, here, you can have this. This is yours. It's, it's free. <laughs> and it's going to change your life. You know, in 2 Timothy, we, we see the writings of a guy named Paul, right? Before that, his name was Saul. We, we notated here that, hey, there was a guy standing there, and, and he's standing there, and he's taking people's coats. And people are stoning Stephen to death, and Saul's sitting right there. Actually, Saul was over this whole ordeal. He was persecuting the Christians. And we know that God gets a hold of Saul a little bit later. We'll get into that. But, but I want you to see how the stoning of Stephen is not just something we take courage in, but it changed the life of Paul or Saul at the time. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing to, and his kingdom, preach the word. What are we to do? Preach the word. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Timothy. He's talking to that group of believers there. But what do we do as a church? We preach the word. That's what we do. You know, tonight we have church at the park. Y'all excited about that? That's going to be fun. Which, by the way, if you're curious as to where we're meeting, we're meeting at the pavilion behind the big gun. If everybody knows where the big gun is here, we're right behind there in the pavilion. It's going to be nice. Bring somebody with you. But one thing we're going to be doing tonight is preaching the word. I pray somebody hears it. Our worship team said, you know what? Let's not do this acoustic. Let's, let's put sound to it. Let's, let's find some electric somewhere. Maybe people hear it, you know? How cool would it be to people in the neighborhoods around, they hear something and they come to Jesus tonight. Why not? It's good news. Why wouldn't we share this good news, right? Timothy you know, in, in all his young wisdom, Paul says, hey, you're doing good in a lot of areas, but here's the thing, always preach, always preach, always preach. Why? Because that's all we have. I, I can do a new, new program in our church every week, you know? We can change it up all the time. If I preach the word, the word's the only thing that's really going to change people. It's not, it's not whether people like Daniel or not, or they like our church or not. What it matters is that they hear the gospel to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul learned that because what did Paul see in the life of Stephen? A guy who just preached the word. Even when faced with death, he preached the word. And so we must be people that we don't just believe the truth, but we speak the truth. Guys hear that, okay? And some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't know, I'm really uncomfortable like giving my testimony, you need to get really comfortable giving your testimony. I'm going to say it again. I got like one amen in the back. 
You need to be comfortable sharing your testimony. I want you to think about the most crazy story you have in your life. There's a few years ago, I was, I walked out of work. I worked at Griffin, uh, you know, syrup, mustard. I worked there. I was their logistics guy. And I'm walking out of Griffin, going to lunch, and I, I round a corner, and about that time, boom, I got hit by lightning. No joke. This really happened to your pastor. Laid me out. I woke up 10, 15, I don't know. I was knocked out. 10 or 15 minutes later, I wake up, and I'm looking around. I'm soaking wet. And I go, and I sit in the car, and the first thing I did after getting struck by lightning was I posted on Facebook. I think I was just struck by lightning. <laughs> literally what I posted. I think Joni saw it. She's like, wait, wait, what? What are you talking? You know, is this, is this a, is this is a word picture or did you really, I really got struck, you know? So I walk back and work and I'm walking back in there and I'm completely soaking wet, right? I laid out in pouring rain for like 15 minutes. The reason I know that's because when I clocked out, when I clocked back in, but there's, there's, there's actually video footage of it too. I look like Superman and when I turned that corner, it really got a hold of me. But I go back and work, and they're like, man, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, I got struck by lightning, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I was knocked out. I don't remember. Well, my buddy worked there, too, and being the good friend that he is, he leaves me standing there and goes and checks the security cameras. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, he's like, yeah, you got hit by lightning, man. It's like, it's right here. It's so cool. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, not it's not cool at all. <sighs> hit me right here. Finally, I go to the doctor. I'm laying in there on the bed, right, the ER. My wife comes and picks me up. And I, I, I remember they, they, they take me in the ER and, like, nobody believes it's happened. They're like, yeah, whatever. Struck by lightning, <laughs> whatever. They go in there and they hook me up and my heart's doing this weird thing, you know. And they're like, oh, okay, something's going on here. It's beating. It's not beating. It's beating really fast. It's beating really slow. It's just kind of going all over the place, Right. And uh, the doctor comes in. He goes, well, well, you know, here's the thing. Usually people, when they're struck by lightning, they're usually uh, uh, dead, right? <laughs> About that time, I get a text, and it's a video from my friend. It's a picture of it. And I go, here, doc, look at this. And he, like, literally kind of walks out of the little room, and he looks at it. He hands me the phone, and I never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy story to tell, right? I was struck by lightning. You know, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking... I'm just happy to be alive. I asked them, well, what's the cure for this heart thing? They said, well, we're going to have to shock you. <laughs> no jokes, what they told me. Luckily, after about, I don't know, six, eight, six hours, I don't know, after I was hit, my, my heart corrected itself. I tell you that story, and that's, that's easy, but shouldn't we tell the gospel in the same way? The really cool story about this, I often wondered, like in ministry, like why the Lord would have me work somewhere and pastor at the same time. But the really cool part of this story is, is, I was struck by lightning that day because I was carrying a, a purple and pink polka-dotted umbrella. And it was given to me forcibly, <laughs> by force, by a woman who didn't know Jesus. She worked in the, the office right next to me. And about a month before she passed, she come to me and she says, Daniel, I have lung cancer and it's not good. I knew something was up. She coughed for the two years I worked there. She comes and she says, Daniel, it's, it's not looking good. And I said, do you know Jesus? First thing out of my mouth. She goes, no. She gave her life to Jesus. And in four weeks from that, that day, she passed. I got to preach her funeral. and It was a good story, right? Stories like that, 
they come easy off my lips because it's good. And church, we have to be a people who speak the truth. Do you speak the truth? Is that, is that the first thing that comes off your mind? I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag on myself because, guys, honestly, I miss it. I was at the park the other day. There was a young woman there, had a kid about our kid's age, and she's there. Didn't mention anything about, hey, would you like to come to church? Hey, do you know Jesus? Nothing. We miss it. Speaking the truth ought to be something that just flows out of us. And I think that happens because we live the next point as well. Believers focus on Jesus. Who is Stephen focused on in this story? You know, while they're throwing rocks at him, some people say, well, he's just looking up into the sky. But yeah, he's looking up though, right? There's a, there's a physical looking that he's doing. He's not just closing his eyes, you know. Like sometimes people say, are you praying? You're like, yeah, I'm praying. But really you're sleeping, right? This guy, he's physically looking up and he can see Jesus right there. My dad and I used to sing a song called, I See Jesus, standing at the Father's right hand. It's a story about Stephen. Stephen looks up. He looks up and he sees Jesus. In our lives, we need to be people that are looking up to Jesus. You guys hear me? We're looking up to Christ. That he's, he's our help. Spurgeon says this, that Jesus is our blessed hope. God grants if we must have two eyes that they may both be clear ones. One, the eye of faith, wholly fixed on Christ. The other, the eye of obedience, equally and wholly fixed on the same object. <laughs> Our eyes should both be squarely looking at Jesus. In everything that we do, I look at that and I think, man, how good is that? That, that the Lord is calling us not just to be here in this place, but he's calling us to look to him because the help that we need is in him, right? It's not anything else in this world. It's, it's in Jesus. We must look to him. Matthew chapter 14, we, we see the story where Jesus is like um, walking on the water, right? And the, the disciples are in a storm and it's like, ah, what are we doing, right? We're all about to die and, and we don't know what. And they look over and they, they thought it was a ghost walking on the water. You guys remember this story? Matthew chapter 14, check it out, read it later. But they look out at Jesus and they say, it's a ghost. Jesus looks at him, he says, take heart. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered and he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. <laughs> Have you ever done that before? Hey God, if this is you, then, then let's do this. And God's like, all right, come on. Peter walks out in the water, right? And as long as his eyes are fixed on Jesus, what happens? Man, he could have he moonwalked, you know? I mean, he could have done everything on that water because he's looking at Jesus. He's looking at Christ. But his eyes get off of Jesus. His eyes get upon the stormy water. I was reading through that story this week and I got to thinking that the problem in this story is, is the storm. Because that storm's getting everybody's attention off of Jesus. How many storms do we endure every week? Right? As a church, we endure storms. When our eyes should just be on Jesus. I believe this truly, that, that we, could, we could have a, a, a decision to make in this church, and it was a 50-50 split. Some people believe this way, and some people believe this way. And I believe as a church, we could come through it stronger because our, our eyes are upon Jesus. 
You hear that? Why are you saying that, Daniel? Here's why I'm saying it. I believe this church is growing. I believe God's doing something here. And I believe there's going to be times where the devil's going to try to get in here. Our own problems, our own attitudes are going to get in the way. But here's the thing. If we keep our eyes upon Jesus, we can get through any storm. And I love the fact that the, the problem in this story is the storm. But Jesus came to his disciples anyways, right? How did Jesus get there? He walked up on top of the very problem that they're scared of. Jesus didn't, you know, he, he walks through the storm. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a reason in that. Jesus could have said, peace be still as he was walking. But no, Jesus is like, woohoo, this is fun. Yeah, I'm walking on a storm. He walks over the storm. The very problem that they were dealing with, he walks over it. Why? Because he's bigger than the problem. He's more powerful than the problem. He overcame the problem. And today, guys, I want you to understand Jesus, with our eyes upon him, let us understand that he overcame the problem of sin in our lives. Believers speak truth, man. We have no reason not to. And the reason is because our Savior walked over the problems in our life. We can trust him. Stephen, man, he's sitting there and he's going through the biggest storm of his life, but he just kept his eyes on Jesus. I have to think that my man, Stephen, man, he, he must have been thinking this. Peter, you got it wrong, man. You, you could have walked on water. You could have walked from one side of the lake to the other, but you took your eyes off Jesus. You know, I'm not going to take my eyes off Jesus one bit. And through that storm, through it all, through it all, his eyes were upon Jesus. <laughs> through it all, his eyes were upon Christ. And the example that I get there is, Daniel, keep your eyes on Jesus. Quit looking at all the stuff around here. Look at him. Look at him alone. As a believer in Jesus Christ, may we be people that look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The problem was a storm. The problem, that's what it was. The, the problem was a storm and Jesus was the answer. And with their eyes upon Jesus, man, they were safe. Third thing I would say in closing this morning, believers practice forgiveness. Oh no, Daniel. I can go with the first two, but don't bring up that last one. You don't understand the, the depravity of the, of the sin that's been held you know, against me. You don't, you don't understand what these people did, what they said. You ever had someone talk bad about you? Has that ever happened to you? I had, I had someone this week tell a lie on me, and I don't care to talk about it because if people are going to talk behind my back, I'll just talk out front, okay? But someone said this week, well, that Baptist church down there, they're using the flower out of the pantry to have a flower war. <laughs> I'm like, wrong, man. I drove all the way to Shawnee Mills and got flour. But you see what I'm saying? The devil tries to get in there, and I, and I tell that story like not to pick on these people, even though... I'm picking on them, kind of? Yeah, sure I am. But at the same time, that this lie that was being told against me, against really against you guys at church, right? That this lie, if, if left untouched, could really cause some problems, right? Little lies. Little things that just can turn everything over and ruin it. What does Daniel do here? Do I, do I hold a grudge against these people? You know, do I go in the pantry and get flour out and use it anyways? No, we have to practice forgiveness, church. Do, do you have someone in your life that you need to forgive? Don't ask us to do that, Daniel. I've already tried it, right? I watched Dr. Phil and it didn't work. 
Well, it's probably why it didn't work, right? Believers practice forgiveness. Guys, we seek to live in forgiveness because we've been a we've been given forgiveness by our Lord and Savior. If we're looking to Jesus, we're constantly reminded that we've been forgiven. Amen. Man, I, as a pastor, I, I hope I don't like put on airs like, oh yeah, he's the pastor. Honestly, most of the time, and I, I love this, this has kind of been like, like a goal of mine. Like, I don't want to be like portrayed as like, you know, robes and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't want that because I think some preachers, they want to come across that way. And I'm like, that's dumb. You just point people to Jesus. That's what needs to happen. I was helping some people with some food the other day and I was like, you know, I was talking to them and... <laughs> Jesse and I, we were in there having a meeting because we have like fancy meetings like in here, you know. And uh, I go to give them food and I was like, hey, you know, if you guys don't have a church, we'd love to have you. And they say, oh, yeah. So I'm Daniel. I'm the pastor. And like, you're the pastor? That's literally what they said to me. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know how to take that. Like, you're the pastor? You know? I was wearing a hat and shorts. I was. I guess preachers don't show their legs, apparently. But. But we have to practice forgiveness, don't we? Is there something in your life? And again, I use that example of the flower stuff. I mean, I'm just like, you know what? God forgive them. I'm not even going to like, I'm just not even going to talk about it. I'm not going to hold it against them. I know, what, I know what the truth is, right? We practice forgiveness. Maybe someone's talking bad against you. Maybe, maybe you have relationships that have fallen apart and you, you need to forgive people. Church, I cannot stress enough that if you're holding grudges against people, it's only hurting you. Maybe even within this church, there are people that have grudges against each other. You've got bad blood. You need to get rid of that. We need to have one thought here, and that's Jesus. I know it's a tall order, but I want you to understand that we can do a whole lot of stuff living in the Spirit. Our man, Stephen, did he cave in the last minutes there? No. I don't know if somebody's about to throw a rock at me. Am I, how would I handle that? You know, I mean, and I'm not even saying like, just like the human side of me, like you're wanting to stop it or whatever. He doesn't even put his, you notice he doesn't put his hands up, right? He just looks up. And so he's taking rocks to the eyes and to the mouth and to the nose. He's taking right to his, his, his Adam's apple, his, his chest. He's taking it, he's just taking it full force, but he's looking at Jesus the whole time. And I believe the example of Stephen is more than just a guy who just died. No, that's really cool. He died for Jesus. No, man, he spoke the truth. He focused on Jesus and he forgave him. He forgave him. You want to know how big forgiveness is? This is cool. I want you guys to think about this. Forgiveness is so cool that the guy who was responsible for it, named Saul, becomes one of the most powerful proclaimers of the gospel. And he was the one that was standing there holding the coats of the guys who murdered Stephen. That's how big forgiveness is. You may be thinking, my forgiveness is too big. You forgive people, you're going to see big things happen. I guarantee it. You're going to see big things happen. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. God's, God is the God of redemption. God is the God of redemption. Can I leave you guys with a verse? 2 Timothy 4. You can turn there, mark it down. I didn't put it up on the notes this morning, but the strength of a believer is found in the Spirit's. Life in the Spirit is what gives us the tenacity to go on. But look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 6. Paul's writing to Timothy, and like, like Paul's went through a lot already, right? 
And what's he going to say to Timothy? Well, earlier he told Timothy in the, in the passage we read, preach the word, preach, preach, preach. Look what he says here in verse six. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. He's writing to Timothy. He's like, it's almost over. I'm about to die. It's almost done. I've been poured out. There's, there's nothing left of me, Timothy. Verse seven, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul, in the, the last moments of his life, the last few days, the last weeks, I, we don't know how long it was at this point, but we know that it was getting close to the end, right? And he tells Timothy, he's like, hey, my life's been poured out for Jesus and it's okay. It's fine. You may be saying right now, well, how much, how much time am I supposed to give to Jesus? All of it. I'm going to say it again. All of it.